1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you take more control of your financial life. Today, my favorite day of the week because it's Clark Stinks Day. Later, I've got some good news about a huge shift that's happening in the car world, how you buy one, but there's also some rough and tumble stuff along the way there, so I'm going to let you know What's going on with that? So if you are new to our podcast, Clark Stinks is a segment where I get to hear where you feel, I didn't do my job well. It's really important because when you do what I do for a living, giving people advice about their wallet, there are a lot of areas that have nuance to them, a lot of gray, and there'll be times I'm just thick in the head and miss something. So it's really, really helpful to me that I not have the last word, that we share what we do here and all learn together as all members of the same team helping empower each other. And so you can go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and post where you feel something you've heard is not cool. And then Krista goes through posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you. Right here on the podcast. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed
0: of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Maybe you're right, pal.
0: You recommended that someone expecting their first child use rainy day funds to pay off student loans. While that might be good advice in general, they will have no idea what expenses they will have once that baby is born. 10% of babies in the U.S. come early or need to be in the NICU. I would put off depleting a rainy day fund until after the baby is born. Speaking as the mom of a former 28-weeker who is now a sassy 7-year-old, and that's from Catherine.
1: Catherine, congratulations to you on a 28-week older doing great. That's fantastic news and for anybody who doesn't know what NICU is, that's like intensive care for yeah, a ne- newborn neonatal
0: intensive yeah. care
1: unit. So your point is very well taken. And anytime somebody poses a question to me, I've got these debts. I got this money sitting in a rainy day account. It's earning blah, 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 nothing in the rainy day account. I'm paying this on the debts. What should I do? Those are always puzzles to put together. And they're, three-dimensional because they vary by individual and the situation in their life. And I guess that the perfect compromise to what I said and what you've said is after they come home with a healthy, happy newborn, then execute the advice I mentioned about using rainy day money to eliminate the student loan debt because you do bring up a very wise point to hold on to that money in case there is a troublesome birth.
0: An audience member asked if they should close a secured credit card as they now have some better unsecured cards. Your advice was that they can close the accounts. Since this person had a secured card, that means they're rebuilding their credit along with having a low FICO credit score. Their secured card would be their oldest trade on their credit report all credit scores look at the length of the consumer's oldest account plus the utilization of all open credit cards. By closing it, their score will drop, hurting them in the near term. If they need credit, they may have to possibly pay a higher interest rate or maybe not even qualify for a new loan. Daniel.
1: Daniel, thank you for that post. Sorry, a few things. The aging of that secured card, it doesn't vanish from their aging of their credit. It just means it doesn't age anymore, So that is not a problem in the short term. The bigger issue is whatever available credit that secured card has no longer is there, but usually it's pretty small. Somebody gets a secured card, as that individual did, to build up their credit reputation, and they've been able to graduate to regular cards, and that's when you kick the secured card to the curb, is if their credit score is now sufficient. Uh, I could have said if your credit score is now above 680, that it would absolutely make sense to get rid of the secured card. And if you want to preserve the amount of available credit you have, you might apply for one more traditional card before you close the secured card. But the secured card is credit with training wheels. The training wheels reach a point where they're no longer necessary. Their credit score will not be impacted in a major way as long as they have other traditional available credit, which they do. And so I think that there is a point at which it's very smart to dump the secured card. And I think that individual was there.
0: It's not the people at retirement age getting out of the workforce. It is people of working age. Do your research. And that's from Orville.
1: What does he mean exactly? by I think that? when
0: you talked about people who are like on the bubble, and then they're when you talked about the work, the labor shortage. You said it's people who are nearing retirement age or out retirement age that are just saying, "Forget it, I'm not going back to work."
1: Well, a lot of them got pushed out, mm-hmm. particularly in uh, 20 through the spring and summer of 20. A lot of employers, age discrimination is a big issue in employment. They got rid of older workers, and those older workers. A lot of them said, yeah, you know, I really don't want to go back or whatever. I mean, the people who employers need to, in this extreme labor shortage we have, who they need to be attracting back in the workforce are older workers. The I'm still not quite sure this expression is not the people at retirement age getting out of the workforce. It's people of working age. Do your research. I still don't quite. I think
0: he thinks it is the younger people who don't want to work, which is what you were saying. Oh, no, that's not not true.
1: true. That's not true. The stats have clearly showed that the overwhelming number of people who left the workforce through the pandemic were people over age 50. And that's where the opportunity is to bring people back into the workforce, potentially.
0: I don't think Clark stinks. He's just uninformed on the topic of health and wellness if you want to live a long, healthy, and disease-free life, change your diet. There's an immense amount of research showing that eating a diet of whole plant foods and not processed junk and animal products leads to a healthier life. There's also a link between prostate cancer and dairy products. The financial benefits alone of less frequent doctor visits and less or no prescription meds can be enormous. We all want Clark to be around a long time, so please consider this advice, Christo. Melissa. <laughs> no, it's
1: Melissa. You didn't post that, I didn't Melissa, know did. I wouldn't do
0: that. Why not? You get enough of it off the air. I hear from you all
1: the time. And uh, I should tell you, our managing editor, Sally of Clark.com, is an extremely healthy eater. And when we have a staff lunch, we always go to one of her ultra healthy places to eat. And I've found a number of healthy choices that I've enjoyed eating thanks to Sally.
0: And you've cut back on your diet soda.
1: I have over the years, I have improved my diet, but for someone like Melissa, I'm not close to where she would want me to be. I'm not close to where you would want me to be.
0: Progress, not perfection.
1: Well, I am good. a long way. If you want to see a factory second human being, <laughs> you are looking at him. I am so far from uh, perfect, it, I mean, man.
0: Love the show, but you missed the mark on roadside service from the insurance provider. As an insurance agent who works with many insurance companies across multiple states, I have not encountered a single time in 10 years that a client has had rates go up due to roadside service claims, nor do any of my carriers underwrite roadside service claims from a premium standpoint. They may and will choose to just not offer it as a coverage if it has been used too often in the past. Using warning never in your letterhead is unfortunately a scare tactic and will cause more confusion to the public than the actual good advice, Joe.
1: Joe, thank you. Joe. I, it's just in my TV work. I've done stories about people who their use of roadside assistance from their auto insurer led to higher premiums and in the clue report showing uh, they call it still call it the clue.
0: Yes, they do. I just Um, looked that up recently.
1: Using the clue report to put that as an at-fault claim for somebody is a terrible underhanded tactic of, let me say, some auto insurers. And I guess the answer is you would want to ask the insurer before you got their option of roadside assistance, if that is part of their calculation and what you're charged for premiums, And if a request for roadside service is treated as an at-fault claim, because if it is, then it's a terrible option to get it from an auto insurer. You telling me that you've never heard of that in the last 10 years is really important news for me to hear. It means I have to be softer in how I talk about that.
0: Clark, you said the Alliant 2.5% cashback card requires an annual fee. You were wrong. That card requires a minimum Alliant checking balance, but the fee is gone. And they link to it. P.U., you stink. Love you and all the Clark Howard team.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I was not aware that they had eliminated the annual fee on the card and just require the tie-in with the checking account, which makes the 2.5% great. Now, with the Alliant card, there are limits to how many dollars in charge volume you can have per month and qualify for the two and a half percent. But it is a great deal on a card if you pay your balances in full and run significant charge volume in a month.
0: I was listening to your episode on Social Security, and I think it was based on a rather one-sided view. I'm 27, and I don't think that Social Security will run out of money. It's the weak will of our politicians to legislate the protection of the benefit and not an accounting or fiscal problem that would be the death of Social Security." I subscribe to modern monetary theory. This macroeconomic theory recognizes that the federal government doesn't need to raise money through taxes in order to spend. The federal government is the issuer, monopoly producer of currency, and not the user of currency. Therefore, it can't go broke. Please don't perpetuate the deficit myth. Anytime a person in the media perpetuates this myth, it misleads the public and provides an excuse for our politicians to sit on their hands and not act to improve our great country. Thomas. Thomas.
1: Thomas, thank you. The, the big problem that has happened in other countries is when a government does not collect the amount of tax for the benefits that it wants to pay out, that eventually the currency debases. And that is a danger for us with the enormous deficit spending we're doing in the United States. It also crowds out other important priorities we have as a country. Social Security itself is a relatively easy thing to fix. And it's just the lack of trust across the political spectrum between the Republicans and the Democrats that has led to a failure to fix the actuarial problems of Social Security in an aging population. And I think back to the last time Social Security was fixed We had uh, President Reagan in the White House, as I remember, the Democrats were in control of Congress. They came up with a joint bipartisan commission where they all sat together and worked the problem and balanced the Social Security books for a 40-year period. Now we're at a point we need that so badly again to fix the deficit of Social Security, and it's not just a matter of printing money, I promise you. We have to fix it. We have to have the money coming in to fulfill the promises we have made to people. We either need to reduce the promises we make or come up with the money to fix it. And it'll be a combination of the two. What do I mean by reduce? Uh, They'll keep raising the retirement age. As people's lifespans extend, the date at which you can get full Social Security will extend out. Used to be 65, now it's 67, I think. And that is one of the key actuarial adjustments that a joint commission could come up with. Um, There are a number of other changes that can be made that are nips and tucks that will fix the Social Security problem. The much bigger problem, Thomas, is Medicare. Each Medicare recipient will end up with the equivalent, inflation-adjusted, of $3 in benefits, For each dollar they pay in, that is not sustainable. And if we are going to have the government provide health care coverage to the elderly, the program needs to be on a basis that the math works and is not some kind of crazy Ponzi scheme where the money that comes in is sufficient to provide for the obligations we have said we're going to take on collectively as a country. I love this country, and I don't want us to weaken over time. And one of the ways you weaken a country on the world stage is when we can't get along with each other. Even people we disagree with, we have to learn to be able to speak to each other again with respect. And the second thing is if we're going to make promises to people, we have to have the money to meet those obligations. And a country debasing its position in the world by debasing its currency and having huge debts is an extremely unhealthy thing in a world with a lot of rivals that are very dangerous players. Now, I've just dipped my toe into what people may consider to be the political environment with what I just said, and I know you don't want me to do that. But in my opinion, everything I just said doesn't even fit opinion. It is fact.
0: And this came through the Clark Stinks form. Um, It's not really Clark Stinks, but I wanted to end this week's segment with it. You were discussing cancer and specifically prostate cancer and being your own personal advocate. I can't make this up, but I was at the same time, exact time on the website of ANCAN reviewing their site and learning about active surveillance since I was recently diagnosed with prostate cancer. Thank you for giving me hope and a positive perspective on my prostate cancer diagnosis, Corey.
1: Well, Corey, thank you for that. And I want to tell you that I've been on active surveillance for 13 years and it's been a lucky 13. I've never had to have treatment for my cancer of any kind, but I am active surveillance means that you are in a scheduled regular program that you do exactly what's required of it in diagnostics and testing to monitor the cancer because roughly four in 10 men with prostate cancer will die with it, not from it. It will never harm them in any way. The hard part is knowing who that four in 10 is, and we don't know right now, but there are certain markers in the prostate cancer and the amount of coverage and something known as the Gleason score, the severity of the cancer that a pathologist has found reading the slides. So people can go into categories in general non-medical terms, often referred to in lay terms as you're a turtle, a rabbit, or an eagle. An eagle is someone who has prostate cancer that is highly lethal and requires extreme treatment. A rabbit is somebody whose cancer is not necessarily lethal, but left unattended will be potentially fatal. And then a turtle is what I am. And that's someone who has very slow growing, very small amount of cancer that, knock on wood, in 13 years has never shown any meaningful growth in me, and I may not ever have to do any treatment at all. I may be able to stay in her surveillance program for the remainder of my days. The important thing with prostate cancer is to be informed, ask questions, read. Don't read crazy stuff on the internet. Read, uh, like I went to source documents, medical journals, and read to be an advocate for myself. The more you know in this case that's real, not what somebody posted on Facebook or whatever, the more you know, the more you're able to take charge and take control and not be railroaded into something not appropriate for your situation. So my knowledge of medicine, as I've stated in the past, is zero. But it was important in a case where it was my body to know as clear as I could what my options were And to pursue those. And if I had turned out to be a rabbit or an eagle, you got to know I would have had the right treatments right away. In my case, I was a turtle. I remain a turtle. And hopefully, I will be a turtle for the rest of my life. It's how I run. It is how I want my cancer to be. Coming up next, a lot of stuff, good and bad, going on in how you buy a car and what people are buying. I want to talk about that straight ahead. I am so excited about an announcement by General Motors. General Motors, which owns Chevy, Buick, Cadillac, GMC trucks. What am I missing? Am I missing any brands? Anyway, General Motors is launching Car Bravo. You know, it's been such a shock to me how antiquated the way the American vehicle brands sell their vehicles. And what they're doing at GM is not for their new vehicles yet, but for all the used vehicles that are in the GM pipeline, dealers can choose to participate in Car Bravo, which is kind of like a Carvana or CarMax Lite. The reason I say it's a Carvana or CarMax Lite is you can buy it online. It comes with a warranty for a period of time. In GM's case, six months on what they call most vehicles. I don't know what doesn't get the six months. The pricing is completely transparent, which is something that I've been talking about since CarMax started in the 1990s. Why don't you just... Stop the games and tell people what the price is on the vehicle. Period. Well, the dealers will not change their stripes, and they've kept doing the grind all these years for a full generation plus since CarMax came up with a new way to do business, and they just could not teach an old dog new tricks. Well, now. The traditional dealers are losing so much market share on the used car lot to people who just came up with customer-friendly ways to buy vehicles. It's really simple. I remember interviewing the founder of CarMax for TV back when they started in Richmond, Virginia. And I said, how did you come up with your business plan? Said, it was simple. We just did focus groups with people and asked what they hate about car dealers. And we heard the same stuff over and over again. we were like, okay, we're not going to do any of that. I said, that was the business model? He said, yeah. <laughs> and that's what they did. And that's what they've done all through the years is they eliminated the pain points. And they steadily have taken more and more and more market share. And then of late, they've had to deal with these fast-growing online-only Carvana and Vroom CarMax is a multi-channel it's kind of like comparing Amazon to Walmart and the traditional dealers they're becoming more and more irrelevant as people say I'm not going to buy in your terrible buying system I'm just not going to do it and I've had so many car dealers over the years say well don't you get it people pay more at CarMax than they'd pay if they bought it from me I'd said how could you do that? You're, you always talk about how cheap you are, Clark. How could you do that? I said, because, because people hate buying a car the way you try to sell it to them, and you will make more money if you just treat them clean and simple, straight up. Period. And GM is trying to bring his dealers kicking and screaming into Car Bravo. What's missing from Car Bravo? You buy a car online, you don't have a right to return it. No questions asked for a period of time, at least not in their initial design, like you do from Carvana, CarMax, other people. GM, you got to fix that. And if dealers don't want to live with that, then they can't be part of Car Bravo because they got to do all this other stuff to be part of Car Bravo. But this is simple stuff. You tell people what it's going to cost. You don't sell them a piece of junk and say, we're washing our hands of it, it's your problem. And that's all you got to do. I mean, it really is. It's so funny in business how often businesses make things so much more complicated for me as a customer or even for their own operations. Because I'll tell you something, even if you're not interested in buying a car, go on Carvana and see how long it takes to buy a car. If you know exactly what you want, it's under 10 minutes to complete the whole thing. You go to a car dealer, typical time at a car dealer is four to six hours. Crazy, huh? So I hope that this is the start of a whole new way of doing things because we've had these problems lately with the Chevy dealers ripping people off who are trying to buy the new really hot Corvette. I think it's called a C8. Looks like a Batmobile. People are hot for them, And so GM tried to make this a really approachable, affordable supercar. And then the dealers are marking up a $60,000 car to over $100,000. Say, hey, hey, supply and demand, we're going to do this to you. Completely defeating what GM was trying to do in the marketplace. Now Ford is having these horrible problems with dealers on the F-150 Lightning. The demand for the electric version of the F-150 is off the charts. And so people who've paid deposits, dealers are now saying, hey, yeah, you're never going to see that thing unless you pay us all this extra money. And Ford has sent out a warning to its dealers that they're violating the terms of their dealership agreement with Ford by ruining Ford's reputation and how they're treating people. And I know, I know, I know you'll say, well, Clark, you're completely free market. Why shouldn't the dealers be able to do this? Is this what the market is allowing. Here's the problem with that. Dealers have gotten anti-competitive laws passed, and I think all 50 state legislatures, that prevent free market sale of vehicles. What's free market sale of vehicles? Okay, if I own a business, and I'm Starbucks. Krista has one of her overpriced Starbucks. Was this one... $2.99 that you paid today?
0: I think it was like
1: $308. $308 for the Starbucks. So if I'm Starbucks, I open a location, people come in, they talk to the barista, and they write your name on it, and then your coffee shows up for $3.09. The car business works differently. The dealers got these unbelievably anti competitive laws through the legislatures that say If I am Starbucks cars, I can't sell my car through my own Starbucks. I have to pay Jim over here to open a Starbucks store, and he marks up what I've sold him to then sell to the public. So don't tell me it's free market, because it's not. Because the dealers have fought everywhere in the country against Tesla, opening their own stores. Do you know Tesla's headquarters is in Texas and the cars they make at their plant near Austin, Texas have to be trucked to another state and sold to Texans because the car dealers in Texas have gotten the legislature to not allow Tesla to sell vehicles in the state of Texas? I mean, come on. Don't talk to me about free market because the truth is in your heart of hearts, you know you can't compete in the free market. You can't handle the truth, and that's the truth. Who was that actor Jack Nicholson used yes. that line in a movie? <laughs> you can't handle the truth. But over time, the marketplace wins, and no matter what roadblocks you put up, the market is going to move to what the public wants. And let me tell you, Nobody under 40 is ever going to play your game on the dealer lot. They're only going to want to buy clean and simple and buy where? On their phone, period. Learn to play by modern rules or you're not going to exist. Oh, by the way, I love the fury from car dealers. Please go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and share where I'm missing the boat or the car.
0: Speaking of cars, Nancy in Illinois wrote in, Clark, i am bl- am I blinded by the light or do I have to wear my sunglasses at night? Recently, my husband and I were traveling and we can't get over how bright headlights have gotten. We were driving on a busy two-lane winding roads at night and would be blinded for what seemed like seconds from some of the strong lights that I believe were not on the bright function. We also live in a rural area prone to deer, so I appreciate using my bright headlights, but dim them when I meet an oncoming car. Am I crazy thinking headlights on the dim function are this much brighter?
1: Yeah, this has been a terrible problem. We talked about it back in uh, late summer, early fall, Mm -hmm. about the headlights being used in other countries that are not allowed in the United States to provide great light and don't blind oncoming drivers. I don't understand what's behind administratively or politically that we don't have these better headlight systems in the United States, but it's not your imagination. A lot of headlights are really blinding you, and particularly with the size differentials and vehicles now, there are a lot of vehicles that sit higher off the road, and particularly if you're in a passenger vehicle or you're in a crossover that sits lower the headlights of a higher profile vehicle, a real full size SUV or pickup truck, may in fact blind you looking straight into your eyes rather than lower down towards the road. So this is something that you're not alone on. The advice from safety people is that you, as much as you can, when bright headlights are coming towards you, that you kind of look down into the right to avoid looking directly at the bright light.
0: From JP in Georgia, people are quick to cut the cord, but don't ask about the repairs that come with damages from normal wear and tear, faulty wiring, upgrading lines, and basic replacement of devices that don't come with your current provider. Is there a standalone insurance company that covers these types of things that normally are covered with a contract with a big box cable company? Obviously, there's your home insurance coverage. But when you think about it, the cost of replacing a burnt wire from the telephone pole to the house and or wiring that is damaged within inner walls, which then requires a person that installs sheetrock and possibly a painter to match the color of the interior walls becomes almost impossible to cut the cord.
1: So this is fascinating because this isn't on my radar at all. Have you? No. I don't think we've ever had a post or a question or a complaint about because it would be
0: about your internet connection more than anything.
1: Right. Um, the good news is that we're getting closer and closer to internet connections being very reliable that are wireless. And you won't even have wires that you're having to depend on coming into your home. I'm um, I'm just intrigued by it because it's not something that I'm aware of or even feel comfortable commenting on.
0: And this is from Joe in Seattle. My Honda CRV recently had engine wires ripped and chewed by rodent damage. I know my insurer can pay for my Honda dealer repair of $1,400. I know that if I do claim this repair with my insurance company, there will be a claim on my insurance clue report. I've already paid the repair bill and can easily afford it. I've listened to your advice of only making insurance claims for catastrophic claims. Is it worth claiming this or should I just pay it myself? I've been driving for over 20 years and I've never filed any claims on my home or auto insurance.
1: So Joe, I hope that your deductible is at least $1,000 on your auto insurance. And if it's not, raise it to $1,000. If you were at $1,000, you'd be paying lower insurance premiums all through those over 20 years. And you'd never even be asking me the question if you then would be making a claim for 400 bucks. So I wouldn't. Uh, my philosophy is you want to be your own insurance company for what for you is obviously a smaller amount of money. It makes uh, no real difference in your life paying the 1400 bucks, But having your perfect no-claims history with your insurer would be ended potentially by filing this claim. I would not file it. So my thing with insurance is it is, just as you said, only for catastrophic claims, period. And with homeowners, absolutely. And with your homeowners insurance, you want to raise your deductible as high as the sky unless your mortgage company requires you to have it. Many times a mortgage company may require $2,500 or $5,000 deductible. You never want to make a claim against homeowners insurance unless it truly is catastrophic. With auto, it's a little lower threshold for what would be catastrophic. But a claim of 1400 you got the money, never make that claim. And I want you to know, there's an always, we're here for you. They used to say, I remember in the 90s, 24-7, 365, we are here for you around the clock. At clark.com and clarkdeals.com with consumer advice you can trust for your wallet at clark.com and the best deals of the day at clarkdeals.com. We also have the opportunity for you to get free off the air, off the air, off the podcast advice, where you can get one on one advice Monday through Friday, Eastern time zone, 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon. And you got to talk with one of the members of Team Clark in the Consumer Action Center straight on -on one-on-one. Their number, 636-49-CLARK.